This episode of Proper English is brought to you by This Versus That and other controversies and the idiom, it's all over bar the shouty. Following on from last week's What's the Difference episode, we've still got quite a backlog of niggling little questions from our students and listeners, so we thought we'd have a look at a few more. Yeah, we have an ever-lengthening list of common queries about the English language some of which we're going to address in this episode and others that we'll return to in future episodes and we're happy to answer any questions you might have about English grammar so why not email us at properenglish or one word at sapo.pt with any queries you might have meanwhile we've got a pile of these controversial questions to get through so shall we get cracking? Okay, first off is a controversy that came up during a lesson with my student Oscar in Argentina. It seems there is a bit of confusion between the words border and frontier. Ah, I think I know why this is. Go on then. It's because the Spanish for border is la frontera. Spot on. The Portuguese is similar too, a frontera. So... There's no wonder it can be a bit of a puzzle for some of our students. But here's the thing. There is a difference between a border and a frontier in English. Well, of course there is. A border is an invisible dotted line that separates one area, state, county or country from another. Whereas, although you can refer to this line as a frontier... It's a pretty old-fashioned way to describe it. Mm -hmm. And you'd be more likely to be describing the bit between settled land and untamed wilderness. Oh, and that strip of land on either side of a garden path where you put all the nice flowers, that's a border too. Oh, and finally, you can use frontier metaphorically as well. Maybe when talking about the frontiers of medicine, for instance, mm. which describes the state of being in uncharted territory. Now let's talk about this and that for Gihad in Egypt. To be fair, that accurately describes what we do in every episode, every week. Talk about this and that. Ah, yeah, but I'm being specific rather than general. OK, fair enough. And what I'm talking about here is the use of demonstrative pronouns. Oh, you are, are you? I am indeed. You see, this and that are demonstrative pronouns. Pronouns that we use to indicate something specific in a sentence. Look at this cake! And you can tell that Dave is talking about a cake that is visible and close to us. And it smells delicious. What is it? Coffee and dark chocolate cake. Our friend Tamsin made it for my birthday. Awesome. Anyway, where was I? Ah, yes, being distracted by cake. We use that to describe something that may be a little further away from us or as a part of a comparison. Like, for instance, this jumper is blue and really suits you, whereas that jumper is green and really doesn't. Green is not my colour, listeners. And you can also use that to refer back to something that has already been mentioned. Oh dear. What's up? Not up. Down. What do you mean? I've just dropped your slice of cake on the floor. I can't tell you how sad I am to hear that. Just to be clear, we wouldn't use this in such circumstances. 
Never mind that. What about my cake? Now here's one that comes up time and time again. In fact, I was discussing this with Rezvan from Romania only the other day. And I'm sure we've touched on this before, but it bears repeating. What's the plural of person? Well, it's people, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> from the Latin populus, meaning a group from the same nation or community. Populus is also where you get vox populi from, meaning voice of the people. Oh, yeah. Like people on the street being interviewed for a news item on television. That's right. And person comes from the Latin as well, persona, which originally meant mask. <laughs> Which is quite appropriate considering what's happening in the world these days. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that sort of a mask. It means the sort of mask that an actor would wear mm. in order to portray a particular character. But over time, it came to mean an individual human being. And it used to be the case, a long time ago, that if you could count the number of people... You would use persons. And if it was unclear how many people you were talking about, you would just use people. However, this changed when Geoffrey Chaucer was alive and he wrote about a thousand people. And he and other 14th century writers started using people for countable and uncountable situations. Rebels. I know, eh? <laughs> These days, the only times we use persons as a plural are in legal definitions. Person or persons unknown, for instance. Or you see it on a little brass plaque in a lift or an elevator if you're in the States. This lift or elevator can carry a maximum of 20 oh, persons. Yes, yes. Using persons in day-to-day -day conversation don't sound right these days. It just sounds awkward, too formal and old-fashioned. Oh, and just to muddy the puddle further, <laughs> you will occasionally hear peoples being used as a plural. It's used to describe the members of a particular nation or community, like the native peoples of Canada, for instance. Well, now we know. And now it's time for Idiom of the Week. Well, this is exciting, isn't it? Depends on what you mean by exciting. All these people voting, the atmosphere. Which you could cut with a butter knife. The anticipation is almost tangible. Is it now? I'll tell you what's almost tangible. The feeling of betrayal. Betrayal? What are you on about? Well, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. Oh, come along now, Sylvia, sweet house. We're not in the playground at St Edith's now. Say what's on your mind. I can't believe you never told me you were going to Stanford Parish Council. I didn't think you'd be interested. Not interested? Not interested? I could have done all your publicity. I would have canvassed for you, doer to doer. I would have been honoured to help, but no, no, you had to go behind my back, Mabel Bramston. And now I'm in a right old pickle. Oh, don't be ridiculous. I got my boy to do all that. He studied marketing, you know. Oh, I thought he worked out market. <sighs> Just goes to show, doesn't it? Well... He's made me visible on social media. You want to watch that? 
I've got hundreds of followers now, and if my boy is right, and I think he is, this election's all over by the shouting. Whatever do you mean? It's an idiom, Sylvia. It means that even though the game hasn't finished yet, the result is a foregone conclusion. Mm. The shouting refers to the announcement of the winner, which will be me, Sylvia Sweethouse. Why? Such a bliss. There's another idiom that comes to mind. Don't count your chickens before they're hatched. They've finished counting the votes. The results are in. So, on that cliffhanger, that's Series 2, Episode 38 of Proper English, all over by the shouting. It is our 97th episode, by the way. We need your help, though. And it won't cost you a penny. Or a cent. Or a centavo. Or even a kopeck. No. All it will cost is a little bit of your time. If you enjoy our podcast, then please do leave us a review on your favourite podcast app. It doesn't have to be long. There's no word count. But reviews really help us to get noticed. Now... We know that some of you are quite shy about writing something in English for other people to see. So, don't worry. If that's the case, why not send us an email with your review? Can't remember our email address? Well, let's refresh your memory. Proper English. Or one word. At sapo.pt Or you can get in contact with us via whichever kind of social media you use. And we're coming up to our 100th episode in a few weeks. (gasps) Why not get in touch with ideas for episode 100? What would you like us to talk about? Wow. So, until next time, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me too. And thank you for listening to Proper Proper English. English.